Welcome to Adult Bedtime Stories. Are you ready to experience nocturnal emissions? Join us in a sex-positive awakening adventure to help create a sex-positive world. Become part of a movement and start living a sex-positive lifestyle free of sexual shame and guilt. Adult Bedtime Stories is a Raven Slayer production. Adult Bedtime Stories is a show dedicated to bringing sacredness back to our sexuality and to learn about everything sexual. Allow the beautiful sexy creature within you to emerge. Each week the focus of the show will be on a different sexual topic designed to enlighten you so you develop more fully as a sexual being. This is a sex education that you didn't receive in high school but should have. Imagine for a moment that we could change the world and live a sex-positive lifestyle. In our sex-negative world, the process of socialization teaches us to feel shame and guilt around sex. By adopting a new set of attitudes and values around sex, we can view sex with a new understanding, which is accompanied with positive emotions and the attitude that sex is a sacred act. I am Lady Boy Chi, a sex expert, a life coach, and a sacred harlot. My life vision is to create a sex-positive world through adult education and BDSM performance art. Hello and welcome. I am Ladyboy Chi-Chi and tonight we have a guest, two guests, well Paul's usual, but we do have a guest with us. I'd like to have you introduce yourself. I'm Ashley Vega. I'm a trans woman and adult model and I do porn. Ah, cool. <laughs> and I'm so glad to have you on the show tonight. Thank you. I love porn, and uh, although I look at porn for different reasons, I'm a sculptor and artist, so I look at porn to do erotic art, but porn usually doesn't get me turned on that much. I like the real thing, <laughs> but I know a lot of people get so turned on by porn. But anyway, tell us, how'd you get into the industry? I was kind of just an exhibitionist online for free an awful lot and thought that maybe I should start getting paid for it. So it was kind of a hobby that I turned into a job, I suppose. Ah, <laughs> I think that's awesome to follow one's passions and <laughs> be able to make a living of it. <laughs> well... Tell us a little bit about what you do. I mean, is it video, mostly still shots, or um, magazines? I got started doing cam work. That was about two years and some change ago. I think a lot of people that get into the industry generally start with cam work. And then after that, I got on with a major company, and they started shooting me, and people seemed to like my stuff. And then after that, I started producing my own amateur stuff, and so I'm still doing that now as well. So now I do all three. What are some of your more famous pieces you've done or that really seem to bring in the numbers, so to speak? <laughs> my most popular one, probably overall, as far as sales, and then also just hits on Pornhub, would be Welcome to the Gaberhood which is kind of like a fucking the new neighbor kind of setup. So uh, that one seems to be pretty popular overall. Oh, cool. <laughs> well, tell us a little bit about some of the work you do. I mean, what are some of the themes 
I know within porn that I've seen, some of the porn, I'm not well versed in porn, but what are some of the porn stories or kind of enactments that you've performed? That's strangely specific. Um, <laughs> a lot of my work is kind of a mix between vanilla and some kink stuff. Generally, there's some sort of plot involved in it. Generally, the cheesier, the better. I like bad one-liners an awful lot. Um, <laughs> Those are always good. You know, I mean, I guess I always think of porn that I enjoy is just like it can make you laugh as well. And it's not super serious. Like, I know that a lot of the porn that I grew up with had that corporate gloss to it in a way. And it's kind of unrealistic people fucking and there's not really much to it. It's almost so shined up that it loses any inherent humanity or value to it. <laughs> so my stuff that I at least produce myself tends to be, I'd like to think a little bit more relatable. And then there's a lot of humor that I put into it. And then a fair amount of kink. My stuff isn't really kink centric, but it is something that I incorporate. Oh, cool. And where can people find your stuff if they want to? see who's behind the voice, so to speak, <laughs> and really kind of get all the tantalizing, beautiful images of you. My corporate stuff you can find on Groovy, again, under Ashley Vega. I'm on femout.xxx, and then my lesbian porn is on tgirls.porn. And then my primary clip site that I upload to the most, if you would like to buy my clips, and you definitely should, would be amateurporn.com. And then you can also get freebie stuff, if that's your thing, on Pornhub, although that's a little bit more scant, and those are slower releases. So those are the big ones. My more fetishy stuff generally goes on clips for sale, and my shorter like popcorn clips, as people call them. So clips for sale is a thing as well. Oh, great. Well, I know that for me, I'm so for more sex-positive world. And I'm kind of wondering, do you see yourself as helping the world change to a better place through porn? I think that is a pretty prevalent question in the porn community is how much, first of all, how much is porn perhaps educational versus a fantasy? And that's kind of an age-old question. As far as sex positivity, I don't try to attach too much moral weight to what I do. I understand that for queer people to have representation, even in porn, and for them to see people with similar bodies or similar tastes uh, sexually is critically important to people's development to understand that they're not that weird or abnormal or things like that. But at the same time, again, I don't try to attach too much moral weight to what I do either because it is ultimately a fantasy and not a guidebook. Yeah. <laughs> but also as someone that stands out in the work you do out in the world, you do become a positive role model for a lot of people, especially for transsexuals just coming out and going through the process of changing and transforming into the gender that they want to present to the world. And that can be such an amazing space to be able to say, yes, I am transsexual, and be a shining star for those that are really struggling with the issues. I mean, I'm not going to necessarily lie about the personal growth that I've experienced doing sex work. And it's definitely not for everyone either, but I think there's a certain, I wouldn't necessarily say foolish, but to put porn stars on a pedestal to the point that they're moral or ethical role models when in fact we are just models. I mean, I think I had a friend describe it as we do stunt work, but naked. <laughs> so do you think Dwayne The Rock Johnson's body double is any sort of moral or ethical sort of <laughs> sort of uh, guide to the world, maybe? I don't know. I think Paul has a question. So earlier you were talking about the 
unique position you find yourself in where, especially in transsexual porn, there's this conflict between (laughs) fetishization and just being yourself and being you. And you've got to understand that a certain number of the people who are watching your scenes definitely fetishize the work that you do. But you also don't want to promote that. How do you find balance between that juxtaposition? I think that, first of all, the people that are consuming it have personal responsibility to educate themselves about these topics as much as they want to. As far as my personal input, as far as I advertise, I generally avoid what most people today consider slurs as far as advertising. And also, I try to avoid plot setups that or dialogue that would kind of lend itself to kind of a more extreme objectification beyond the fact that, you know, I am doing porn, right? So it is kind of inherently. Yes. But I think there's certain plot setups like one that I think is popular and I see a lot to a degree is like the male assumes that the woman is cis but then she has a penis and so they're like maybe freaked out a little bit but then they learn to like it or whatever i remove a lot of the fact that being trans and porn is abnormal or might seem like out of the ordinary so i think that also kind of removes a lot of that the idea or mentality that you are trapping someone so to speak or fooling them or tricking them which i think is a pretty common trope in trans porn And that's very unfortunate. And I've seen that a lot in the porn that I've consumed. And it does make me sad because I understand that a lot of the people who are doing that are just capitalizing and going with the market. But sometimes you do have to make a moral stand and maybe not do the thing that is going to be the most popular or get the most views to stand up for your beliefs i mean there's there's definitely people that look for particular setups or fetishes within trans tropes beyond simply trans porn itself but i think also with the growing popularity of it it's exploded in the past five years now it's kind of a hot button issue for a lot of people and people you know what's this i gotta go check it out right but where do you draw the line between educating people and educating people and entertaining people so to speak so I definitely try to remove harmful elements while keeping the entertainment as well. And I think as my stage persona kind of develops a little bit more and I gain a larger following, I think I can maybe shift my focus a little bit more to talking about trans issues and less talking about my dick. So, (laughs) (laughs) One of the things that I have actually seen, though, in people that I've known is people who may have started off consuming the more objectification style of trans porn as they got comfortable with the idea that this was something that they were attracted to, seeing a shift into them consuming more porn that was not as objectification and just was a certain actress that they liked and I think that's a positive thing to see in the world and sometimes it takes people going through the darker side of something to really accept something in themselves. Yeah as far as that I know a lot of trans women in and of themselves have the start of their transition is somehow linked to what they call sissy porn or gender transformation porn. And that's like a big stepping stone for a lot of people. So I personally actually never really cared for it and kind of at times find it annoying, but I don't feel like it should be banned or anything like that. I understand it was a self-exploration tool for them and kind of test their sexuality and their idea of gender norms weirdly at the same time, right? (laughs) But it's there. I mean, if it's your thing, then go for it. But it carries some weight with it as well, I think. One of the things that I've struggled with being intersex, or the word I prefer to use is hermaphrodite, people don't see me 
as I was born to be. And I know that so much of our core identity is in how we identify sexually. What kinds of things do you do to kind of put a message out? This is who and what I am, not the illusion <laughs> that's physically there. That's an interesting question, really. For trans people, I think, um, I guess it's becoming less so recently, but physical presentation is key to people recognizing your basemost identity. But it feels incredibly performative at the same time. So you feel that you might be compromising maybe a little bit of your identity just to have what you feel is the biggest part of your identity acknowledged. And that's a difficult thing to go through. Fortunately, I've been lucky enough and the genetic dice have <laughs> landed in my favor. So I don't really have to try that hard for the most part, but it's a difficult thing, honestly. And I speak from experience. I mean, I can't tell you how many campfires I sat around at pagan festivals saying, no, I'm not a male, I'm not a female, I'm in between. I was born with both, or a mixture of both, and that makes me third gender. And for years and years, people kept seeing me, because I went naked at these events, mm -hmm. seeing me as a boy, because I have a dick. <laughs> but I prefer to call it a clitty cock. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a very elongated clitoris. <laughs> That gets very hard sometimes. <laughs> but people would see that and just assume, oh, boy. <laughs> and I know there is such a growing movement in the bi-plus community to get away from the gender binary. And is there any porn that you do to kind of work around the gender binary? That's kind of largely a frontier to a degree that is mostly untouched still at this time there's not a huge amount of demand for it as far as i understand the porn industry is still relatively binary there are handfuls of non-binary people i honestly can't even really think of one openly intersex porn star off the top of my head but as far as non-binary people it's growing but very slowly they're out there but even then they're still kind of reduced to their base parts and less their personal identity so it's a tricky thing like I think people are just starting to get in line with what they see as mix and match body parts versus a abstract concept that is being apart from the binary or both parts of the binary or however you want to do that, basically. Mm -hmm. I remember a study I heard about that was done on people watching porn, and even though they were consuming it visually, when they did EKGs on the people who were watching porn, it turns out that only the base most parts of the visual system were lighting up in these brain scans of people who were watching it. Because honestly, when you're watching porn, it's very repetitive and like you kind of know what's going on. You don't need to pay your whole attention on it. And honestly, your attention is normally split between what you're seeing and what you're feeling. And I think that's really interesting about the way that people consume pornography. And I think that that might be one of the things that makes it hard for people that are kind of in the middle to really have a voice in what's going on. All right. So, you know, again, it's a visual reduction, essentially. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I could see that. That makes sense to me. I mean, it makes sense, honestly. Where would you like your porn to go? What are some of your visions on what you'd like to become as a porn star? It's kind of split between two... I would say between two potential paths for me right now, and that is go big time, you know what I mean? So I'll fall in line with the tropes that a lot of the big name people do and, you know, do that perfect makeup. And, you know, big boobs on trans women are starting to slowly, like, slide back a little bit, so that's interesting. But it's either go that route and hope I can make it. It's a small industry. It really is.
So, you know, I've got a much better chance of being a big time porn star in the trans industry than I do becoming an artist or musician with any amount of validity or weight in the industry. Or, which I think I would prefer this, is get more into the production side instead of modeling, be able to produce bigger and more elaborate works with crazy costumes and awesome sets and, you know, stuff like that and just kind of manifest these ridiculous ideas that I have that are <laughs> far too ridiculous and expensive for me to do right now. <laughs> I was curious because I know you from various different means. I know one of the things that you are is a gamer. Yeah. And I know one of the things that is very popular, especially in the camming community, is for women to play video games naked and doing whatever and it seems to be very lucrative is that something you've ever done um i think i tried it once or twice maybe but i don't think it was really my bag it seems lucrative but i think creating a dedicated following and there's not a terrible lot of crossover between like that gamer girl fetish and and being trans Mm. um Weirdly enough, there are definitely particular fetishes or inclinations that kind of coincide with trans girls more than others, like feet, for instance. There's a lot of crossover with feet and trans women for some reason, Uh, but the gamer girl thing, not so much, weirdly enough, so at least from my personal experience. Do you think one of the reasons that there's the crossover between people who, like, trans porn and things like that and people who are into feet might be because trans women's feet tend to be larger and therefore you know can showcase more foot (laughs) that i think that's valid i guess people who like big female feet could definitely come to trans women and, and that would be a thing i mean obviously they wouldn't have to be deterred by the penis but if you're a bi guy that likes big feet then chances are trans women got you covered there and i have to jump in from my intersex perspective because one of the few porns i have enjoyed is the trans porn and seeing a girl with a dick just turns me on somehow (laughs) because it's so much a part of how i feel i am i'm kind of like a girl with a dick and a boy with a clit (laughs) i mean trans porn definitely turns me on too but i think it's kind of bizarre because at this point i've kind of trained my brain because i spend so much time promoting on social media it's almost like i see a woman with a vagina and i'm like wait okay yeah right like, <laughs> I'm like, you know, where's the penis, right? But I still like vagina. I'm just kind of been on a dick kick for the past couple of years, you know, so, so sue me, right? Are there very many post-op trans doing porn? Um, That's a very slim market. I imagine if they are doing it, they're probably not advertising as trans and they kind of reassimilate into the market. But there's a tiny fraction of the market that is post-op women to speak. For instance, my girlfriend, Lyra Shea, she still does a bit of modeling herself. She's a Suicide Girls hopeful. I'm kind of surprised they took her, but Suicide Girls is... I'm not going to get into the politics. Kind of a big <laughs> deal, though. Well, a hopeful, you don't get paid for your work oh. as a hopeful. You have to be accepted as set of the day, and there are absolutely gorgeous gorgeous women on that website that have been submitting sets consistently good sets for five years or more Mm -hmm. and have never ever been paid for one of their sets and that's just kind of that's really unfortunate but hey i got three months of free membership as a photographer Mm -hmm. so (laughs) go me so i'm curious as you work in the porn industry how many of the producers and directors that you work with are either trans women or are women themselves or is it still mostly male dominated as far as people who do indie porn or as other people might refer to it as amateur porn a lot of girls self-produce myself included and that's really awesome and great 
but for the most part, for big companies, uh, it's still, you got a lot of CEOs that are still male. Easily more than half of the professional photographers are male. But on the other hand, you're seeing this really massive shift kind of away from professional porn to amateur porn. And it's really great because a lot of people can manage to support themselves if they're not corporate pretty. And so just like you had the deviation from magazines to the internet, now we're having the deviation from corporate, you know, big name porn to indie porn and self-produced porn. So that's that's really good. And I know a vacuum's been left with that law that was passed in that, I forget which site, Tumblr or one of the Tumblr big sites where people were doing amateur porn shut down and it's left kind of a vacuum. Do you think that's going to open the door for more paid porn done in that same style where it's really... I'm a girl at home showing off. and <laughs> um, Tumblr in and of itself is kind of a just weird... I wouldn't say it's like a singular happenstance. And the thing is, there's still loads of porn on Tumblr. A lot of people just straight up like hiatus, just exodus, left. But I still check in every once in a while, and there's still massive amounts of porn on Tumblr. I think that corporate high-end, high-produced porn will probably always have some sort of place. Just because I think people like the production value and they carry what people find conventionally attractive. And they have the money and platform and resources to advertise and to put it out there and make it look really slick and good. But on the other hand, you can make it almost look just as good with a couple grand in equipment, and it's not a huge deal. So so I know one of the things that we had talked about earlier is that the porn industry being the porn industry, you're never going to completely get away from the skeeve factor how does that affect you and how do you kind of mitigate that skeeve factor so it doesn't directly affect you as much as it could i don't know i kind of keep my nose low and try and keep out of the drama in the industry as best i can but eventually at some point in time you do have to choose sides and play favorites and that's just kind of like a natural thing that you have to do when you're vying against a bunch of other ambitious women there we go Uh, (laughs) you know to kind of make it to the top but there's still definitely people i'll say this much the porn industry is less seedy than i thought it was initially but it's still seedy and in order to avoid it overall and try and keep out of that you just really more than anything keep in touch with other models They'll tell you what's up. They'll tell you who. They'll tell you who's good to shoot with and who's not, and who maybe might be a pervy f- photographer and who's very professional and very encouraging and so on and so forth. So the one thing that I think surprised me more than anything within the sex work community is the interconnectedness and the willingness to help one another. Models, especially photographers and producers, is kind of like another thing, obviously. But yeah, if you want to avoid the seediness as much as possible, generally a general consensus and word of mouth is going to be your best friend. Oh, that I think that that's actually a very uplifting thing to hear. <laughs> like it makes me really happy that people only get the power that they work to get and the fact that models are banding together to take care of each other and protect each other and make sure that no one has to go through bad situations that anyone else has had to go through. That actually, like, it makes my heart feel good. (laughs) No, I agree. It made me feel really good, too. Um, The amount of people that have helped me kind of get on my feet and get a sort of broader view of the industry and just help me with little stuff like filing DMCA complaints, for instance. (laughs) Could you tell me what a DMCA complaint is? A DMCA is when somebody pirates your shit 
and you want it taken down. So it's a copyright thing. Okay. Um, I've had my stuff pirated and resold. And I'm not talking like, oh, let, let's pirate it and give it away for free. Which is, I think, I'm kind of a little bit copy left somewhere, somewhere in the middle of copy left. But when you resell it, that's oh yeah, that's just dirty. Like, come on, that's underhanded and gross. And just give me a cut. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's where you need to set up a franchise where people can sell it and get a small share of the profit. go out and do all the marketing for you (laughs) in a way i mean i don't know what these people are pulling on their websites personally but even then they're still advertising yeah at at some amount of revenue loss for me so Mm -hmm. it could be lose lose somehow i'm not entirely sure how but you know yeah (laughs) it could be worse right Mm -hmm. it could be worse well we're at two station break time, and I'd like to talk a little bit about Ravenslayer. If you've enjoyed what you've heard on this show and would like to learn more, we do have some excellent training videos to learn how to please your partner better, receive more pleasure, and really get into the uh, deeper sex. So go to ravenslayerleather.com. And we also have a link to our Patreon page on Ravenslayer. So if you would consider supporting this show, if you like what you hear, consider becoming a Patreon. Paul, you have anything you want to add? While you're visiting our website, we have plenty of different training videos as Gigi pointed out they're on any and every topic a very broad range of topics and anything that you're interested in you probably can find something that correlates with your interests and most of our videos are priced at ten dollars which is very reasonable and you get a lot for that ten dollars you get multiple different training videos. You get handouts and sheets that can help you to absorb this information and apply it to your life so that you can help to build a stronger sex-positive life. Uh, time for my plugs, yeah! So yeah, definitely check out my stuff on Pornhub. Most of the stuff you can find by Googling or just going right to the site itself. But yeah, I do got my free stuff on Pornhub um, for all you very broke people. I know a lot of queer people don't have a terrible lot of money. Amateur porn is generally where the largest amount of my content goes. Generally, my videos range about $10, $15, $20. They tend to be on the longer side. So generally my videos range from, you know, 15 to 25 minutes. Also have a clipsforsale.com up. I think I have an I Want Clips. Um, And of course my Twitter, which is the best way to keep up with all my work. So that's going to be at the Ashley Vega on Twitter. So yeah, come follow me. And I do believe as far as touring goes or events, the only thing I have solidly planned right now is going to be Bondage Expo Dallas, which should be in a couple months. I think that's going to be the end of April, if I'm not mistaken. So come say hi on the floor. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. Well, I'd like to kind of change the focus a little bit from where we've been going. We've been covering a porn star on the show tonight. And I'd like to kind of check in with you and see... Could you describe one of your favorite photo shoots or video shoots? That is a good one. All right, so yeah, the sexy stuff. Okay, let's see my favorites. I think probably one of the funnest ones to shoot for me, and I think it came out pretty good too. I think it was one of the more ambitious projects, if not the most ambitious was Gamer Girl Gangbang 3. <laughs> Which, I, the setup on that is basically, it's so three trans women are playing video games, 
and I think some betting process is involved, and I believe a joystick ends up in a neo-vagina at one point. Um, and then I think the bet compounds after that, and I believe... Uh, no, they're naked first, and then the joystick in the vagina, right? <laughs> I'm getting ahead of myself here. And then after that, I think, you know, kind of progresses into some groping and so on and so forth. And then after that, I think it kind of moves to the bedroom from the, the living room area. And it's pretty traditional three-way sex often, like the Eiffel Tower or the spit roast, I think is a common terminology for it. Or kind of, uh, let's see, the cowgirl position, but you've got another girl on your face at the same time. Mm. I was on bottom for that one, so like bottom, bottom. Mm -hmm. So that was really great. <laughs> Other than that, you can use your imaginations. There's a lot of blowjobs and pussy eating and, and anal. There's always lots of anal in my videos and blowjobs and facials. I think is really consistent across the board and most of my stuff. So. <laughs> so I hope you don't mind me asking. When people watch porn, they see the finished product. But I think a lot of people don't understand what it is like to shoot porn because there's a lot of cuts and there's a lot of, you know, it's not just a free-for-all with a camera guy running around and catching all of the action. <laughs> what is it like to shoot a porn clip? And what is the difference between the way it looks in the finished film and the way it feels going through it? You know, surprisingly enough, there have been times where you do kind of have a camera guy running around and you just kind of fuck. And in a lot of ways, that's really good because I can focus on what I'm doing to my co-star and not necessarily have to focus as much on uh, my positioning or what's visible. That's always a huge thing in porn is what's visible. So say if I'm trying to like penetrate someone's ass and the camera guy is on my right-hand side, I'm right-handed naturally, I want to put my hand on my penis to like with the, mm -hmm. the dick in the butt, right? Yeah. But I can't do that because people want to see the penis in the ass, right? So you always have to be really self-aware of what's visible. But as far as I personally, when I like to produce, like it to be a little bit more stop and go and get angles that I feel are ideal and have particular positioning. And it's the artistry of porn, right? But there's generally also a lot of, like, goofing off on set between takes that a lot of people don't see. You know, if there's good energy in the room, then there's a lot of goofing off and joking. And oh, the bloopers are the best part, you know what I mean? Somebody hitting their head on the wall or there's a lot of fun stuff that goes on behind the scenes that is really, really great. On the other hand, the more difficult parts are a lot of trans women have issues with erections. So you might have a 10, 15, 20, 30 minute break to get it back up so you can finish the scene. And that can be frustrating sometimes. So sometimes you got to break for a little bit and get your act together, so to speak. It sounds like some of these trans women should listen to one of my video trainings. <laughs> <laughs> Because I do cover how to raise erotic energy early in the morning and have it available at any time during the day. <laughs> but I think what Ashley is specifically referring to is that part of being on the hormones is that there is a physiological thing that happens where sometimes it is difficult to get erections especially i know even for me i'm not on hormones now but i know that when i've got a heart on and i've been working on it for a while and i don't come for a while all of a sudden something will happen and i'll completely lose my erection and it will still take me about 10 or 15 minutes to get another erection and it Oh, yeah, I was just doing a shameless plug there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. There's a lot that goes into maintaining sexual function as a trans woman. 
there's this weird duality of being completely and totally feminine, but having a raging hard cock that works all the time. And that's just realistically not how it fucking works. So welcome to reality. We do a lot to keep our boners great for you guys <laughs> at home. Okay. <laughs> You're doing God's work. <laughs> Again, thankfully, I've been blessed and haven't had a lot of issues with erections, but it's still maintenance, and boy, is it maintenance. What are some of your worst video experiences? Hands down right now would be my very first pro solo shoot. So let me crack my knuckles for this one. (laughs) (laughs) Get ready. Strap in. All right, so I might be an exhibitionist, but it's on my terms, and when I'm comfortable, right, and I've hit the big time, right, like, I gotta go do this porn that I'm getting paid pretty decent money for, and so I was prepping, like, the night before or whatever, and so I'm, like, shaving my body and stuff, because, you know, generally being hairless is the status quo, right, and, um, I don't really usually maintain my butt hair, it's not something I think about, but... I shaved my ass, and that was a very, very, very big mistake, because the next day, I had razor burn. I had razor burn, and, you know, the the ingrown hair, and just the works, and my ass looked awful, just absolutely awful, and I tried to cover it up with makeup, and it helped a little bit. The thing is, with photos, they could Photoshop that shit out, but with video... So that shit is online, well, forever, but I think I accidentally grabbed the cameraman's lube at one point. (laughs) Accidentally (laughs) grabbed the... We both had Astroglide, okay? (laughs) He had a bottle of Astroglide, and I brought a bottle of Astroglide, and, like, he just had it sitting there, and he's like, that's my lube, and I'm like, I'm sorry. He's like, you could use it, and I'm like, I'm so nervous. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, I brought a vibrator with me, at least I thought I did, so I get halfway into it and I'm like, alright, let me grab my vibrator so I can put it in my ass, so it's not completely penis-centric, and I forgot it, and so that completely, so I'm like, alright, now I've got to work with my dick for the next, like, three hours, which is not not the worst thing, but... but, like, you know, that's what you expect with trans porn, is like... Mm-hmm. You know, you work your penis for a while. Um, that and I was just absolutely mortified and terrified the entire time this isn't this is happening. And especially since there were a couple of things that had gone wrong. <laughs> especially, especially shaving the ass, I think, was the worst yeah. because I just showed up like I was already so super nervous. And on top of that, I'm like. It's on the internet forever, so if you want to go see my terrible, terrible looking ass on the internet, it's up there. Like, go see it. It's great. Um, Cringe with me, people. Secondhand embarrassment. Go get it. Well, to take a little (laughs) bit of embarrassment off of you. So, I mentioned on an earlier show that I recently went 24-7 sex slave with... Gigi, and one of the things that Gigi requires me as his sex slave is to shave. And he assures me that this is going to go away. But I've got terrible razor burn all on my crotch, all like pretty much fucking everywhere. I like, I am so happy that. I have a while before any of the festivals that I'm going to go to and be on stage because I look like I have something. I don't know what that something is, but it looks like I have problems. And maybe people who have shaved will be like, oh, that's good. Yeah, Yeah, that's razor burn. But people who don't know, they'll be like, eh. I don't think I want to touch that dick. And maybe I want them to touch my dick, you know? So so to take some embarrassment away from you, I'm letting everyone know I look terrible right now, just like you did in your first video shoot. So it's not an isolated issue. 
<laughs> That's the, like, I, I actually don't maintain my crotch proper. I kind of do, like, bushy in the front, clean in the back kind of thing. Because, like, who wants to eat a hairy ass, right? Like... <laughs> Sometimes I do. Yeah, I, I mean, it's personal inclination. I don't want other people to have to eat my ass if it's hairy. How about that? To yeah. each their own. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I only really ever shave up for the once or twice a year I actually want to do it on my own. But it's usually for pro shoots. If you actually see me in my amateur stuff, it's like, oh, it's, it's maintained. It's trimmed. It gets a little bushy sometimes, but... <laughs> ah that was interesting (laughs) well i hope paul shared with you that we do run aphrodite's temple so we do performances at times and it can be an amazing experience to get in front of an and a big exhibitionist I love people to see me. <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> Could have fooled me with this podcast. <laughs> no, I'm a blushing hermaphrodite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the camera experience, being behind a camera, whether it's live or recorded, is distinctly different from performing live in front of a crowd and my nerves aren't so bad in front of a camera or camera person as much anymore but it's still really exhilarating to like go get flogged on stage in front of like 100 200 300 people is still like i need that more in my life honestly ah you should come to aphrodite's (laughs) temple (laughs) and actually you could bring your video crew and do a shot of a live performance that might be kind of (laughs) hot Definitely, definitely. Although I will have to warn our patrons that they will not be included in the shoot. <laughs> yeah, you can't, you can't. That's too much paperwork for me, honestly. Like, it's just got to be the performers only, right? Yeah. <laughs> so one of the things that your last statement made me think of is you said that in the future you're interested in getting more into production have you ever been the one using the camera? Have you started shooting porn that had nothing to do with you yet? I actually love doing that. It's pretty rare that I get to do it. I did one, my favorite probably that I've ever done so far, and I've done a few, I think was between Ava Roan and Sonia Hawthorne. And I was really pleased with how it came out. I think it went really well. So I got to direct a little bit, I got to do the camera work, and I got to do the editing. And I think modeling is like good and great, um, and it's not uncommon for me to also do camera and modeling and editing um, and just the whole shebang or whatever. I, you know, these days I try and at least get a dedicated camera person so I don't have to be like, all right, set up the shot and da-da-da. But... I really enjoy the process of creating something. See, I'm a failed artist, okay? I'm a failed artist, uh, failed painter. So far. <laughs> so far. Failed painter, failed musician. So I think the creative process of making porn in and of itself is thrilling and enthralling to me. And you get to tell a story, and then you get to have all this awesome, amazing, sexy stuff happen and it gets visceral, and it's entertaining, and it can go a lot of places depending on what you want to do with it. Like, it can be funny, it can be scary, it can be... The medium of film is nearly limitless, and then also sex, so... (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's not a cliche for no reason. Sex sells, period. It just does. It just fucking does. We're hardwired to it, you know? It's a part of our core being. I mean, nature designed us with sexual bodies, with pleasure centers that really can go off like fireworks if touched just the right way. (laughs) But uh, what is some of your favorite parts of being a porn star? What really gets you turned on by this? I mean... Um, We talked a little before the show about how it's a passion for you. So what is it that's makes it so passionate for you um i think there's the baseline 
of being an exhibitionist given i'm an exhibitionist that's generally kind of nervous and has anxiety issues so it's kind of like a good duality to my personality and kind of overcoming my fears and that aspect and then i'm not gonna lie getting to fuck a lot of really cute girls is pretty amazing <laughs> so, oh yeah <laughs> I can totally relate with that. <laughs> Cute girls and boys. <laughs> but I'm bisexual, so I like them all. <laughs> well, but. I kind of alternate between saying I'm pan and saying that I'm a lesbian. So and if you want to be like super technical, I'm like a pansexual with a strong inclination towards women and non-binary people. But I still have this sort of like baseline attraction to men i just don't i like to say that i like to treat men how men treat trans women and that's as a fantasy i don't really want to fulfill too often (laughs) (laughs) yeah well now being hermaphrodite i'm part male part female and i'm one of the rare bisexuals that is truly 50 50 attracted to both (laughs) equally and I think it's because I am both equally. I mean, there's, they've done psychologicals and neuropsychs because I'm ADHD and dyslexic. And in every one of them, they reported that my mind is not quite masculine enough to be a male and not quite feminine enough to be a female. Interesting. So it's good to know that there's solid-based research behind my claim that (laughs) I am neither male nor female. I'm a little of both. (laughs) Right on. And so I'd like to see some new trends in pornography that kind of touch more on the binary and or non-binary because I know the non-binary movement is exploding right now. Mm -hmm. I mean it has become so widespread and we're seeing more and more on that. And usually when you see a movement come along, not far behind it, the porn industry follows. (laughs) I know personally that there are a lot of things I've looked up on Pornhub or Xvideos or XNXX or any of the mainstream porn sites. And I had never, ever come up with the term that I had spelled correctly that didn't come back with any results until I typed in androgynous. And now when you do, you come up with a few. But the first time I did, zero results for androgynous. And I was like, the fuck? The fuck? Why is that not... I should have 10,000 videos at my command because that's what I want to see. And I'm not alone. I know I'm not alone. No, no, androgyny is super, super hot. That was something that I had a strong attraction to. Even as a teenager, androgynous people really did it for me. Um, Oh, me too. (laughs) Me three. I I think we're all in that same fucking boat. Is is that just a queer person thing? Or do the cishets like that too, maybe? I don't know. I know it's big in the bi community. (laughs) Well, that's queer. Uh, Oh, yeah. Different brand of queer, but... (laughs) Well, I think the cis people that are into androgyny, it might be a closet thing, you know? (laughs) And I guess that would be my next question. How much do you bring things out of the closet for people as a trans actress? Could you be specific a little bit more? Like, are you saying, like, my work, uh, how that helps people become less straight? Or, like, just me in general in my personal life and how I make people less straight? I I don't know. A little Um, bit. (laughs) Um... I don't know. I generally date people that are bi plus pan and that because I really don't want to mess with people's baggage too much in my personal life. So I don't mess with chasers as they call them, which are like, I love chicks with dicks and let me worship you. "Eh, If you pay me, maybe. But (laughs) (laughs) 
And then that's a financial trans- <laughs> transaction, and that's what that is. On the other hand, we'll have a little bit of contrast here. How I feel about my clients and their sexual fulfillment is, I think, distinctly different from that. And one thing that has surprised me doing sex work really immensely is how much I develop an emotional reaction and response to these like strangers and to me it's really surprising and to a large degree I do care about them within reason like I'm only one person and I can care about a lot of people but like how much energy do I have to expend and the more you pay me maybe the more energy you'll get (laughs) but I think sex work for people whether it's cam girls or porn or whatever allows people to explore fantasies more or less in a safe space that they wouldn't necessarily be able to explore otherwise in their day-to-day lives or maybe they're not ready for it or maybe they don't have the opportunity. And I think also trans women is sort of a safe space for men to explore liking penises um, because they're like, well, it's not gay because it's a girl with a penis, which is true. (laughs) Which is true, but, and you can be a guy and like penises and still be straight, but it's, that's just kind of like social baggage to a degree. Yeah. But that's kind of a stepping stone and a safe place for a fair amount of people to maybe go beyond that. And maybe, I don't know, maybe they like guys with penises too. Wouldn't that be like, (laughs) you know, so. And, you know, that's something, this will be a topic for another show, but. There is something about being intersex that I kind of throw a monkey wrench into the whole sexual orientation thing because it's based on attraction, attraction to the same sex or to the opposite sex. And for a hermaphrodite, there is no same sex or opposite sex. (laughs) So what am I? Am I just that outside the box or is there a problem with our classification system? I mean, the same is true of non-binary. I had a non-binary friend who a lot of people, upon looking at them, would assume that they were female, feminine, had all of the earmarks physically of someone you would consider female. But one of the important things that they had to tell every partner they had is... So by accepting your attraction to me, you have to admit that to some degree you're bisexual. You cannot be not bisexual and attracted to me. That's just not a physiological possibility. And wait, who is this again? The name is one that I chose not to share for... Oh, no, 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 no. I mean, what was the context of it? Was it another trans woman? No, just a non-binary person. Okay, yeah. But they they just didn't want someone saying like, oh, yeah, I recognize your blah, blah, blah for whatever it is, but not admitting their own shit. They were like, (laughs) no... You can't just pretend I'm a woman and that you're straight. Like, no, that's not that's not what's going down. Well, to a degree, yeah. <laughs> if you define... I mean, we're going to get into deep, like, semantics, like, unfortunately. But, it, you know, if hetero is different from you and you're a male and they're non-binary, isn't that different from you, right? Um, uh, I mean, that, that's definitely... <laughs> That's definitely a semantic argument. <laughs> I would say anyone who is non-binary who's attracted to me is probably, unless they're non-binary, yes, but is it, they're that heterosexual. Would be gay. That would be gay, right? Yeah. <laughs> or is yeah. just everyone gay because you're non-binary? Like... No, no, no. No, other non-binaries, we can be straight together. But aside from that, everything else is gay. <laughs> I mean, I personally wish that we could remove all this, like, malarkey to a degree. Like, I personally don't care. I feel like I don't need those labels, but I know a lot of people need these labels because they give them comfort, and they're used as identifiers, and um, 
and allows people to form communities and mm. and there's a lot of good that goes with it but at the same time it's becoming convoluted and i could care less. <laughs> well there is hope though because i do see a lot of people in the bi plus community who say it's not about what's between the legs it's what's in between the ears that i'm attracted to and it's the person not the plumbing and i think that's a much more refreshing way and even with sexual orientation if i was a boy and i mean born with all the boy parts and I look at the definition of sexual orientation, it kind of implies I'm attracted to all women. And no, I'm not a, nobody is attracted to all women or all men. And so right there you've got a problem with sexual orientation. It's not the plumbing. It's personal identity and the forces of attraction are much deeper than just slot A goes in slot B. <laughs> <laughs> I very much agree um, completely and totally. I think it's, you know, there's also just a lot of cultural baggage and kind of um, unwritten rules and, you know, Western society, its sexual function is distinctly different from maybe East Asia or what have you. Oh, yeah. Um, or even little microcultures that are still left, um, matriarchal cultures versus patriarchal cultures, I mean, can be distinctly different. So, I mean, kind of getting to the root and the core of how sexuality functions without all that baggage is definitely an interesting concept and go. Well, we've reached pretty close to the end of tonight. We can continue if y'all want to. I don't mind going over a bit. We're already at one hour and 12 minutes, so. uh, but uh, um, we have covered a lot of territory, <laughs> <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> Is there anything that you'd like to say that's really special about being a porn star that really turns you on about it, or anything about the porn industry that we haven't covered that you'd like to bring up? I would like to say this, pay for your porn please please pay for your porn even if it's a big studio out there as much as we like doing this work often maybe not everyone does i know i do we gotta eat we gotta have somewhere to live we're not just sluts uh you know offering it up i mean we are but like <laughs> we still gotta eat please i'm well, hungry well Buy i my video. something that i'm i'm in facing i'm working on um becoming a certified sex coach and oftentimes there's this misconception that oh if it's sex it should be given freely and as a service and there, i think that same stigma applies to the porn industry yeah if it's sex it should be free but no there is a value to this it's art it's the arts of presentation, yeah. choreography, of makeup, of putting on a show and yeah. a performance. And a lot goes into it that has true value and should be paid for and should be acknowledged as a value, a monetary value, since we, well, I'm not big on the monetary system. No, but me neither. Since but we're like, stuck in it. Let's work with what we got, <laughs> yeah. right? Like. And that's how I feel about my body, so let's do that with the economical system, too. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, definitely, guys, pay for your porn. If you can support indie porn, go find a model that you like. Go, you know, if you can afford it, empty it. But even then, we still get paid for hits on Pornhub, so watch it a hundred times, and I'll make a nickel. So... <laughs> And if you're looking for a porn star to pay for, Ashley Vega is pretty cool. <laughs> you should check out her stuff. Not only that, she's very attractive. And, ooh, it gets my dick hard. <laughs> you flatter me, so I'm not sure if it's the rum or just me blushing. Maybe a little bit of both. But as I end each show, enjoy those nocturnal emissions. 
raise that pleasure in your body, you can do it by watching porn. (laughs) (laughs) Get it turned on and enjoy the gift of your body, your sexual body. Let it take you to deeper depths of pleasure and reach greater heights of experience. I remember there used to be a song. I think it was Jimi Hendrix, Are You Experienced? Go out and get some experience and enjoy those naughty good feelings. (laughs) Good night. Good night. I find it interesting that adults in our culture are not provided with informative sexual education. Even married couples don't have access to an adequate sexual education and how to pleasure each other. It's assumed that somehow we will instinctively know all that we need to know about sex. I don't know how you feel about this, but I think there's a better method. I would like to invite you to join me in developing a sex-positive lifestyle with freedom of sexual expression between consenting adults. Join us each week to learn everything sexual. Add your comments about the show and any suggestions you have for future show topics. We would love to hear from you. Be sure to subscribe to the show so you won't miss any episodes. This concludes this edition of Adult Bedtime Stories. Are you ready to experience nocturnal emissions? Sex is the final frontier. So explore everything sexual.